and um, I promise you I've got more information here, more notes that I feel like I can comfortably cover in one night. And uh, years ago, when I was young and foolish, I thought I had to finish all of it in one night. Now that I am old and foolish, I at least recognize that I can break this up into parts. And we can come back and finish the rest of it another night. Amen. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what what happens um, as we start into this. It's just something I'm feeling here tonight, and don't know how much preaching it'll be, how much teaching it will be. Um, but we're just going to try to follow the Lord tonight. Romans chapter 13, and we'll begin reading in verse number 11. Romans 13 and verse. 11. Hallelujah. Romans 13, verse 11. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Did I believe that? The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, therefore, understand the significance of the word therefore, because of what has just been stated. Because the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Because, if I can put it this way, time is running out. Let us, therefore, cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Amen. So, the apostle writing here to the church of is explaining to them that as you begin to realize that the time is short, there are some steps you really ought to take. There are some things you really ought to be doing based on your belief that time is running out. If you really believe time's running out, there's some things we ought to do about it. Amen. He said the night is far spent. The night's almost over. And the day is at hand. 
night's almost over and the day is at hand. And so I want to just simply title this tonight, Preparing for the Day. Preparing for the Day. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your voices, lift your hands. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. Amen. I want God to talk to this church. I want God to talk to me tonight. Everybody, everybody, let's reach out to the Lord right now. Jesus, I need you. Master, I praise you. Master, I exalt you. I glorify you. I magnify you. Jesus, you are everything. Master, we need your touch tonight. We can't do anything without you, Jesus. We've got to have your help. Lord Jesus, I pray, speak to our hearts. Speak to our spirits tonight. Jesus, I'm asking you, God, do a work in this place. God, do a work in this place. Do a work in our hearts. Do a work in our lives. Jesus, we need you. Come on, church, let's reach out to the Lord. Let's reach out to the Lord. Come on, we need his touch right now. We need his touch right now. I don't want to just go through the motions of this service, but I want God to have his way with us tonight. Jesus, we need you. We need you. We need you. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The night, the darkness, as it is used in the scripture, is, of course, a symbol of wickedness and evil. We see an example of this in John chapter 3. And verse number 19. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather men than love light. Darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Because their deeds were evil. And so the Apostle Paul is dealing with here the passing of the night, the passing of this time of darkness. And and, and Paul you understand, felt a call, felt a mission to open the eyes of the Gentiles, to turn them from darkness to light, uh, which was defined as turning them from the power of Satan to the power of God. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So this, this whole concept, I want you to understand as I build my foundation tonight, the whole concept of what night is talking about. It is, it's the evilness. It is the, the time of wickedness. Uh, in fact, our text identifies the works of darkness in, in verses 12 through 14. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. 
Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. Rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering, chambering and wantonness. Not in strife, strife and envy. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And so he goes through a list of things that he says, these are the works of darkness, the things we need to put off. Darkness is, is fleeting. Darkness is about to leave us. And we need to be checking ourselves. We need to be looking to see how many of these works of darkness we have adapted or we have taken to ourselves without even realizing that's what we've done. He, he clearly identifies darkness as evil. And he identifies the light as being righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers? For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? So, so here he, he shows us this contrast. I, I, I want to I build this. I want to lay this foundation tonight so you understand exactly what it is that the apostle's talking about when he says the night is far spent and the day is at hand. The time of light is approaching. Amen. The light is often used to typify righteousness. Sometimes it's used to typify the children of righteousness. Sometimes it's used to typify the righteous one himself. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know that, but verse 4 tells us this. In Him was life. In Him, in the Word that was God, in Him was life. And the life and the light that of life that was in Him was the light of men. Verse 9. That was the true light. That was the true light. Which lighteth every that lights every man world. that comes to the world. Jesus identified himself as the light. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the I world. I am the light of the world. He that followeth and me whoever will follows me will not walk in darkness. Shall have the light of but they'll have the light of life. Then he identified us, his followers, as being the light. John, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be and, and I think that we understand. I hope that we understand the contrast. Jesus says in one place, I am the light of the world. And then another place he says, you are the light of the world. Well, all of that's cleared up with John chapter 9 verse 5. As long as I am in the world. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the, I am the light of the world. But when he ascended back into heaven, he left it to be our job to be a light in this dark world. Amen. Stay with me here for just a few moments. Now, in our text, as the Apostle Paul begins to write, and he writes about darkness, and he writes about the works of darkness, and, and, and he talks about all that, he, he makes a statement in this passage of Scripture where he says, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Now, while day and light can have a number of meanings, in this passage there is a very specific event to which Paul is referring. And we find this by comparing other verses of Scripture, such as 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2. 
For yourselves know perfectly. Know perfectly that. That what? That what? I haven't lost you already, have I? Stay with me. That the day of the Lord. So cometh as a thief in the night. Is coming like a thief in the night. He's coming like a thief. It is the day of the Lord. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord. But the, but the what? But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great right. noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, now, now listen to me, church. When the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. He's talking about a specific day, the day of the Lord. Amen. It is the day of the Lord in these two verses in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2 Peter 3. It is the day of the Lord that interrupts the night, that comes at the conclusion of the night. Amen. And we understand this to be the case, even by the context of our text. Read again Romans 13, verse 11. And that knowing the time. Knowing the time. That now it is that high time. Now, that now it is high time to wake out of, to sleep. Wake out of sleep. Why? For now is our because salvation. Now is our salvation nearer when than when we believed. Amen. Now, we're not talking about Acts 2.38 salvation. We're talking about the completion of this work of salvation. We understand that we were saved from past sin. We're being saved right now from the process of sin. But there is a day when we will be saved and there will be no chance of us going back. There will be no desire to go back. Everything is going to be changed. That's the salvation that we're waiting on. And that is the salvation that is nearer today than the day when we first believed. Now, Paul says we need to understand we're living in a day of darkness. And, and that's never been more true than what it is in 2013. I am so sickened by the things that I see going on in our world. Absolutely sickened by it all. Amen. And, and I'm telling you, I believe God is sickened by it as well. But I want you to know that until Jesus comes back, it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. I'm telling you, it's going to grow darker as the days pass. The world is going to become more wicked as the days pass. Because listen, they're feeding on wickedness. They're living off of wickedness. They turn on the wickedness in their living room. Pump the garbage right into their brains and into their children's brains. They go and pay top dollar to go send the theater to watch garbage. They turn on their radio and listen to garbage. They get to work and everybody talks about garbage. And I'm 
tell you the world is not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. I clearly remember as a boy in the early 70s, my mother, who was not in church at the time, I remember talking to her about how bad things were in the 70s. But I remember her looking at me and saying, well, son, it's going to get better. Now, Mama is usually right. But Mama wasn't right that time. It's certainly not better today than what it was 40 years ago. This world has, has gone off the deep end. Literally to the point that anybody who wants to still proclaim righteousness, even among the religious groups, are considered out of step and out of touch. It's, it's an amazing thing to just go back and do a little history. And you don't have to look just at the history of the apostolic church. You can look at the history of the Baptist church and the Methodist church and the Nazarene church. And you can see what they used to preach against that they no longer preach against. They've come to accept these things. They've come to believe it's the norm that anybody that still preaches against those things is a legalist. And sadly, that same mentality is creeping into the apostolic ranks. Oh, yes, it is. It's in our ranks as well. And more and more people are abandoning the things they've always preached against. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's, it's a rare thing to find it. What, you, you don't know this because you're sheltered, but it's a rare thing anymore to find a one God apostolic church where the pastor still gets in the pulpit and tells people to get rid of their television. And the reason they don't tell people to get rid of it is because they have one. It's the truth. And you're sheltered and you, you don't understand these things. And thank God you don't. But I'm just telling you, church, it is a dark hour we're living in. But that's not for us to abandon hope and not for us to go home feeling defeated. But it ought, to, it ought to do something to us that we realize that life can only last so long. There are only so many hours in the night and the sun will come up. Oh, I the Holy Ghost. I tell you, it can only get so dark before the, the rays of sunlight have to start shining once again. God looked down at Sodom and Gomorrah and saw their filth and their perversion and rained fire and brimstone on them. And now we look at America and I just cannot imagine, Brother Merriman, that Sodom and Gomorrah were worse than what America is. I just can't imagine that that would even be possible. 
I really, I don't see how it could be worse. We're killing millions of unborn babies. We're approving homosexual quote-unquote marriage. We, we are living in a godless society. When America has had more preachers and more sermons than any other nation on earth, I'm just telling you, I do not believe that God is going to let America keep going the way it's going. I'm just telling you, the same God that rained down judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah, he's got his sights set on this nation as well. I, I do believe that one of the few things that has stayed the judgment of God is that in the midst of everything we've done wrong, we've remained a friend to Israel. And now that's changed. I don't know what stays the hand of God. But I'm just telling you, it can only get so dark and then the day is coming. Now, do we really believe that? Well, we say we do, but do we really believe that? Do we really believe that we are swiftly approaching the time when all this darkness is going to be over with? And we're getting out of here. You know, I, I'm hearing, I'm hearing talk of uh, being prepared for what's ahead. I'm hearing all kinds of things, all kinds of things being said. I'm hearing people say you need to go out and start your own gardens. You need to be hoarding food. You need to be hoarding weapons because it's about to really get bad around here. Now, you may not have heard those things, but I'm, I'm hearing people say them and mean them. I, I'm, I'm hearing people say, I, I was just reading this week, and I don't know if it's true, but, but, but somebody claims that they spoke to a source uh, very high up in, in the government who said they are fully expecting by this summer for there to be total chaos in this country, complete civil unrest, because of some things they know are about to transpire in the next few months. I don't know if that's coming or not. Everybody's saying you better be prepared. There may be some wisdom in the advice that they're giving. But I'm going to tell you something. In all of our preparations, we don't need to be trying to be prepared for what the government might do. Nearly as much as we need to be prepared for what God's about to do. Because you may, you may find yourself in a very precarious place if the government does something and, and all of a sudden we have no food and our money has crashed and who knows whatever else they say is going to happen. If, if all that happens, we may all find ourselves in a very difficult spot. But I'm going to tell you something. We can survive that if we're right with God. But what God's about to do if we're not ready for what he is about to do, honey, we're not going to survive that. We're not going to escape that. I believe that what we need to be prepared for right now is
is not so much the tough days that are ahead. We need to be preparing for the day that is ahead. We need to be looking, taking inventory, getting ourselves ready. Well, hallelujah. We need to be examining ourselves. We need to be making sure that we've got what it takes when that day arrives. There are, there, are, there are some things here, four things that I want to go through however long it takes me to get through these four things. Four things that I want to go through that will help us to be prepared for the day of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about Acts 2.38. I'm taking it for granted we understand that. All right? If, if you haven't obeyed Acts 2.38, if you've not repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not ready. End the discussion. You're not prepared until you've done that. But those of us that have done that may still not be prepared. If we don't do some other things as well, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight and how many nights it takes me to get through these four things. And who knows, we may be able to get through one a night. I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to come out, but I beg of you tonight, give me your undivided attention. Hear the burden of your pastor's heart and listen to what I'm telling you. It's time to get ready. It is time to make some preparations. We cannot keep getting by the way we've been getting by. We're not going to coast into eternity. It's not going to happen. First thing that we've got to do if we're going to be prepared. Read again Romans 13 verse 11. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now it is high time to do what? Number one, I want you to say, wake up. Wake up. That's number one. If we're going to be prepared for what's coming, we're going to have to wake up. I'm telling you, there are too many of us that are still asleep. Now, in this verse of scripture, knowing the time, the word knowing could literally be translated considering the time. Recognizing, stopping to think about it, weighing it out in your mind. It's not what it was 10 years ago. It's not what it was five years ago. I'm telling you, the day is at hand. He said, knowing the time. The time makes use of a Greek word that literally means the set time. Or as another uh, study Bible puts it, the critical time. The moments before the end. Considering the set time. The phrase high time comes from a different Greek word which simply means the hour. And then salvation means redemption. And so here's what Paul said. He said, consider the critical time in which you live. This is the hour to wake up from your sleep because the moment of our redemption. 
redemption is closer now than when we first believed. Somebody hear me tonight. We better set up and take notice. I'm telling you, church, I feel this so strong in my spirit. Some of you are convinced that everything's okay with you, but you're really asleep. You have no clue what's really going on around you. And even as I speak, you don't think I'm talking to you. Romans chapter 8, verses 23 and 24. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. The adoption, wit, that is the redemption, the redemption of, our of our body. For we, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet? Let me, let me tell you, back up, back up to verse 23. Uh, put that back up on the wall, verse 23. There's something here that I want you to look at. I hope this verse wakes some of you up. Verse 23. I hope that this wakes some of you up as we, as, as, as you consider this. Um, Still waiting to get it up there. Okay. Uh, read, read it again for me, Brother Araman. And not only they, but ourselves also. Ourselves also. Which have the first, have the first fruits of the Spirit. And we ourselves. Even we ourselves. Grown within wait, ourselves. wait, wait. We ourselves do what? We do what? I'm going to tell you, church. This is why I know that there are too many people not awake. We are not groaning. For that day to come. We're not really anxious. For that day to happen. This is what Paul said. Should be our attitude. That we are groaning in ourselves. Waiting for the redemption of this body. God, I'm miserable here. I'm sick of this world. I want out of here. But we don't want out of here. We're comfortable here. Why are we comfortable? Because we're asleep. Because we're not recognizing what's going on around us. Church, listen. We too have become accustomed to the evil of this world. We've become accustomed to it. We, we don't think anything about it anymore. Do we? Does anybody remember a day when you would see something horrible and you'd just be shocked? You'd see somebody walking in public with almost nothing on and you'd say, dear God, have they no shame? And now, don't think anything about it. Never crosses your mind. see people with metal hanging off of every available inch of skin that's showing. You don't think anything about it. You see them with their bodies all painted up and tattooed up. You don't think anything about it. You, you, you hear them discussing things that are vile and Think anything about it. 
You know, I'm old enough to remember a day when if somebody cussed in front of a lady, they apologized. And now the ladies, they're really not ladies, the females, can outcuss many of the males. Think nothing of it. Nothing. So I saw just recently a lady, I have high regard for the lady. I, I, I think highly of her as far as I know. She's a good godly woman, but she posted a little clip, so this is funny. So I thought, well, you know, I'll look at it. And it was okay. And right at the very end, they let out this horrible cuss word. And I'm saying, what? What? That's not funny to me. Whatever else was going on, it ceased to be funny at that moment. It grieves my spirit. Church, where is the groaning? A pastor told me the other day, he said, I'm so grieved. He said, I told the church that I pastor, I really am convinced that some of you, it wouldn't matter if not one more person ever received the Holy Ghost. You'd be content to just keep coming to church, keep singing your songs, keep clapping your hands. Nobody gets the Holy Ghost. doesn't bother you. Where's the groaning? Where's the groaning, church? Does it bother you that it's been a long time since we've baptized anybody? Does that bother you? Does it bother you that it's been a long time since we've watched somebody pray through for the very first time? Does that bother you? Or do you just go home and not think anything about it? I'm telling you, we're getting too accustomed to the night. Something ought to be happening in our spirit. It ought to be driving us to pray. God, where are the souls? God, what is happening? God, what is going on? Somebody ought to be getting stirred deep down. We look, I'm telling you, church, we, as long as we come to church and feel a few goosebumps, clap our hands, we'll smile, sing a few songs, oh, we had good church, we're happy. God, forgive us. It's not about you feeling goosebumps. It's about taking people to heaven. It's about seeing the city saved. God didn't put a church here so you could feel goosebumps. And He didn't put you in the church so you could feel goosebumps. Where's the groaning? Where's the groaning? So you don't groan when you're comfortable. You only groan when you're uncomfortable. God may have to make some of us very uncomfortable to finally get us to wake up. Jesus said something much like this in Luke 21 verse 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. He said when these things begin to come... Is there anybody that would argue that the things that Jesus said would happen have begun to come to pass? Anybody argue that point? There's no doubt that it has begun to come to pass. In fact, I think we've gone far beyond the beginning. 
But Jesus said our response, when it first starts to happen, our response ought to be to look up and lift up our heads and believe it's about to happen. It's coming, church. It's coming soon. I don't feel like I'm getting through tonight. I don't feel like I'm quite reaching some of you tonight. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so, and so again, again he says, look, you, you gotta wake up. Awake thou that sleepest. Awake thou that sleepest. Walk circumspectly. Redeem the time. Wake up and realize. Look, look, it should be obvious that we cannot prepare for the day. While we're still asleep. We can't start getting ready for the day until we wake up. So as long as we're sitting comfortably on a pew. And we're not bothered by anything. And there's no conviction getting a hold of us. And it's not bothering us. That it's been a long time since we brought somebody to church. Doesn't bother us. Thank God for the testimony tonight. Of teaching Bible studies. What about the rest of us? When's it going to bother us that we haven't taught a Bible study? When's it going to bother us that we're content to just come to church and worship a little bit? When's it going to bother us that our focus is, I hope I get a blessing tonight. I've had a long week. I've had a tough week. Oh, it's really tough on the job. I, I sure need God to help me. And we forget there are tens of thousands around us that are going to a devil's hell. And I promise you the hell they're going to is far worse than what you think you're living in right now. Something's got to shake us. Something's got to stir us. Something's got to move us. It's got to motivate us. Gotta get beyond this comfortable feeling that we have. A person that is asleep is oblivious to everything around them. They don't know what's going on. How many people have slept through the night to awaken the next morning and find out their house was vandalized or burglarized? They didn't hear a thing, they never knew a thing. They slept through it all. afraid too many saints by the time we finally wake up are going to look around and realize there's a whole lot missing that we once had and we don't know where it went Romans chapter 11 verse 8 according as it is written God hath given them the spirit of slumber the spirit of slumber eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Now look, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but when he talks about eyes not seeing and ears not hearing, he's describing the spirit of slumber. He's saying this is what happens when you're asleep. You've got eyes. 
you know, if you're sound asleep, somebody can wave their hand in front of your face. You don't see that. You're asleep. Somebody can be whispering right next to you. You don't hear it. You've got ears, but you don't hear it. Because you're asleep. Church, please, please hear me tonight. The reason things are preached and not acted on is because spiritually that person's asleep. They didn't see it. They didn't hear it. They didn't catch it. They're asleep. And if we're going to be prepared for the day, we're going to have to wake up. We'll just skip down to Matthew chapter 25. This is a familiar story. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Took their lamps, but didn't take any oil with them. I don't know why. I don't know why. If they know they're going to be watching through the night, why, why don't they have enough oil? Maybe, just maybe, they think, well, he's coming so soon, I have enough to last me. Is that possible? Maybe they thought they had enough. They didn't realize that his coming might take a little longer than they expected. And so they really weren't prepared. They just got enough to last for as long as they thought they might need it. And went no farther. Read. But the wise took oil the vessels with their lamps. But the wise said, you know, I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't want just enough to get by. I want enough to last me. Church, can I tell you, this is a major problem in apostolic churches. We are coming to service getting just enough. If I can just get enough on Sunday night to last me till Thursday night. And on Thursday night, if I can just get enough to last me till Sunday. And that's the way we're living our lives. It's the way we're going through this whole process. We come to church hoping to get just enough to go on a few more days. But you see, that was the attitude of the foolish virgins. And make no mistake about it. These five foolish are not the world. Jesus would never call the world a virgin. He was talking about people in the church. But there are people in the church so foolish as to only get enough Holy Ghost to get by for the next couple of days. If I can just get enough to get by, problem is what they thought was enough was not enough 
And I'm telling you, some of you, it, 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 for some it hasn't dawned on you yet, but when you think you're getting enough, it's not quite lasting you till the next service. So, I know I'm wading deep into some things here tonight, but this is what I feel, so here we are. Read, read. While the bridegroom tarried, and so they all the slept. They believed he was coming. They believed he was coming. They believed he was coming. If I ask you today, how many of you believe he's coming? I believe it, it would be everyone. I mean, oh yes, I believe he's coming. But I'm going to tell you, they would not be asleep if they had believed he was coming right now. And the fact is, none of them believed that. Not even the wise ones. The thing about the wise, they at least got enough to keep lasting them. But even they were not awake until the cry went forth. The beautiful thing was the wise had enough. They weren't scrambling to try to get themselves taken care of and get themselves shaped up and ready and prepared. They were already prepared before they ever allowed themselves to slip off into slumber. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Read. And at midnight there was a cry made. But at midnight a cry was made. Behold the bridegroom cometh. Behold the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Go out to meet him. Then all those birds. No, 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 hang on. I want to tell you what's happening tonight. I don't know what time it is spiritually. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this. What I'm doing tonight in this church is I'm issuing a cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. He's coming. Some of you don't believe that. The look on your face tonight. You don't anymore believe what I'm telling you. But it's true. He's coming. He's coming. And he may come any day. I don't know when he's coming. But I'm telling you he's on his way. Look, God cannot lie. And I remember very distinctly way back in the early 70s being in a service one night when tongues and interpretation went forth and the interpretation was I come quickly, I stand even at the door. That's been 40 years ago. God doesn't look at the clock like we do, but this much I know he understands we're looking at it. And I'm telling you, we're close tonight to the time when it's about to happen. Church, please hear me as I plead with you. I'm not just talking to hear myself talk. I'm telling you, we got to wake up. we got to realize it's about to happen. It's on us. It's all about to be fulfilled. We can't stay in our state of slumber anymore. we got to wake up. We gotta get ready. We gotta prepare ourselves. And when the cry went forth, the bridegroom comes. They all arose and they began checking their lamps. What's my status? How am I doing? 
How much oil do I have? Am I going to make it for the next few minutes, however long it takes between the announcement of the cry and his arrival? Do, do I have? Now, now look, they said the bridegroom cometh. They didn't say the bridegroom's here. It was a warning. It was a proclamation. It was an announcement of things that were about to take place. Not what was taking place. But at the cry, they all began to look at their lamps. They all began to take inventory of their condition. They began trying to make sure they were ready to meet him. Read. And the foolish said unto the wise. The foolish said to the wise. Give us of your oil. I'm not ready. For our lamps are gone I'm, out. I, I'm not ready. I, 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 I didn't do enough. I, I, I didn't bring enough oil. And, and this, this are gone out in the King James. Really, again, it's, it's not the best translation. The original it's really our lamps are going out they weren't completely out much like some of you lamps not completely out but it's not burning as bright as it once was the fire is not as fervent as it once was and you can see you know, if I've got to make it from here to the rapture on what I have in me right now, I'm not going to make it. Let me ask you something. What would happen if some unforeseen situation arose and you couldn't be back in church? You couldn't attend another prayer meeting with other saints. You had to make it from here to the rapture. What you have right now. How long would your oil last? I've seen people walk out of a red hot Holy Ghost service. And lose everything they had. Before they got off the parking lot. They didn't have a whole lot of oil. In their lamps. But I've seen others shout and dance on Sunday night by Monday morning. Their attitude stinks, telling everyone off. That little bit of oil you've got didn't even last you through the night. How long? How long? How long? You know, I... I I remember, I remember that last visit I had with my pastor before he died. Here he was in a nursing home. It had been months since he'd been in church. He had Alzheimer's. Taking him to church wouldn't have done any good anyhow. He was not aware of the situation around him. He wasn't aware of what was going on. Can I tell you that somewhere in the course of that conversation, that oil that was in him began to ignite. Before it was all over with, though it had been months and months and he, since he had been 
in an apostolic service months and months since he'd heard any preaching. I don't even know how long it had been since his last time to be in a red hot prayer meeting. I don't know. I'm going to tell you that sitting in that wheelchair as I'm talking to him, all of a sudden, a gentle breeze from on high began to blow and he started talking in tongues and the Holy Ghost came. Do we have that kind of oil? How long will it last us? Give us what you've got. Share with us. Come on, isn't this the attitude of so many Pentecostals? Somebody help me. Somebody pray with me. Somebody encourage me. Somebody pick me up. I'm really discouraged right now. I'm really feeling down. I need somebody to do something to help me get back on my feet. When are we going to reach a place that we've got some Holy Ghost reserves? We, instead of constantly looking for somebody to pick us up. We're looking for someone that we can pick up. I want to be an encourager. I don't want to come to church and the pastor have to preach me back into the church again. And every service, somebody's got to pick me up. Somebody's got to encourage me. I'm just hanging on by the skin of my teeth. Oh, no. There's a place you can reach in God where you can walk in this church full of the Holy Ghost. Nobody's got to pump you and prime you and beg you and plead with you. Come on, let's worship. Come on, let's worship. No, no, no. There's something burning on the inside of you. You're encouraging and you're reaching and you're helping and you're because the oil's there. The foolish said, share with us what you've got because we didn't get enough. The last time we got oil, we just didn't quite get enough. Read. But the wise answered, saying, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Look, here's what they said. No, I don't know how much longer it's going to be. I know he's getting close, but but I'm looking and my oil's pretty well spent too. But thank God I've got enough. I know I've got enough to keep me till he gets here. But if you're going to make it, you're going to have to get it for yourself. You can't count on riding piggyback into heaven. I may be preaching to some young kids right now. I may be preaching to some 9, 10, 11 year olds who think you're going to get to heaven on mom and daddy's coattails. And I want you to know you're not. I want you to know if you're going to go, you're going to have to get something for yourself. I wish that I could give everybody my oil. I wish that I could just impart to everybody and have everybody full and overflowing, but it doesn't work that way. In God's kingdom, you're going to have to get it for yourself. Somebody wisely said God doesn't have any grandkids. 
can't say, well, my mom and daddy are children of God, and so therefore I've got it made. It's not that way. How many wives are dependent on their husbands' prayer life? How many husbands are dependent on their wives' prayer lives? How many teenagers are counting on mom and daddy praying them through the pearly gates? What am I preaching tonight? What am I saying tonight? I'm saying, wake up. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. You've heard it all your life, but now is the time. This is the hour when we've got to put it into practice. We've got to get a hold of something for ourselves. All right, all right. I haven't made it very far, but one more passage. Musicians come. My time is up. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 9. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now listen to what he's saying. He's saying, you know, it's really not even necessary that I preach to you and explain to you that we're living in the end times. I don't have to say that. You have no need that I write to you to give you those details because you know it already. You've heard it. You've read it. You're aware of it. Read. For yourselves know perfectly. Because yourselves know perfectly that that day is coming just like a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace because and safety. Because when they start saying peace and safety. And sudden destruction cometh upon them. There's sudden destruction that's coming on them. As travail upon a woman with just a child. Like travail and they shall not escape. On a woman with child and they're not going to escape. But ye brethren, but you brethren are not in darkness. But you brethren are not in the darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. That day should not surprise you like it does them. You are all the children of light. Because you're the children, children of the, the day. Light, the children of the day. We are not of the you're night. Not of the night. You're not of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep so, as do others. So don't sleep the way others are sleeping. But let us watch and watch. be sober. Be sober. For they that sleep sleep in the they night. Sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are they drunk are drunk, in the are night. drunk in the night. But let us who but are of the day of the day be sober. Be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. For an helmet, the hope of salvation. Yes. For God hath not appointed us to God wrath. Has not appointed us to wrath. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That day is coming as a thief. Not for us. Not for us. We shouldn't be surprised when the trumpet sounds. We ought to be looking at all the signs he gave us. And we ought to be living every day saying, you know, it might be today. He might come back today. I can't be carnal today because he might come back. I can't be prayerless today because he might come back. I'm expecting it. I'm, I'm looking for it. I'm, I'm longing for it. I'm, I'm, I'm just being transparent tonight when I tell you, church, 
I'm disturbed even with myself because I remember, I remember as a boy just coming into the church how many nights I dreamed about the Lord coming. It was, it, and I'm not telling you they were all from God. Probably a lot of them were not from God. But it was what was on my mind. It's what I lived through the day thinking about. It's what I went to bed thinking about. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. The songs that were being written back then were all about His coming. Song after song were told of how He would split the eastern sky. He sang about the glorious reunion what a day that will be oh the songs we sang the discussions that we had our constant study of the scriptures yeah yeah I can see that that, that's happening now and oh I can see where that's about to take place seemed like every new thing that came down the pike well that may lead up to the mark of the beast But you know, somewhere along the line, I got to where I laughed at all that. Some people are crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. Can I tell you, when I got to the church in 1972, there were people telling me not to get a social security number because that would lead up to the mark of the beast. Oh, you say, that's crazy. Those dumb people thinking things like that. It may not line up to the scripture, but I'm just telling you, here's the positive at least they were thinking about it. At least they were making some kind of precautions. I'm telling you, for most of us right now, if it came, we'd say, well, i got to feed my family. Well, I've got, you know, I've got to take, I mean, surely God doesn't expect us to starve. I, I mean, you know. And I just have a feeling the devil's smart enough, whatever it is, that the mark of the beast really represents. Whatever it is. I just have a feeling the devil's smart enough that he can disguise it enough that a lot of people will justify taking the mark. You say, well, the preacher, how are we going to know? It's all going to depend on how much oil you've got. How well can you listen to the voice of the Holy Ghost? Right now when God speaks to you and says, don't Is that voice loud enough, strong enough, forceful enough that you back off? Or do you stop and say, well, was that God or was that just me? I tell you, church, you've got to wake up. That day's coming. We don't think about it anymore. We don't talk about it anymore. We've we've reached the point. We laugh. And and, and again, some of it that was just beyond the pale. And I I mean, honestly, I heard so many things that were the mark of the beast. This, this, what is it they call it? The UPC code on the cans. You know, they call it barcode now. When it came out, it was called a UPC code, universal product code. And, And 
they, there were people going around showing you, well, this number's a six, and the middle number's a six, and the last number's a six, and built into every one of these is 666, and, and this is the mark of the beast. You can't buy or sell without it. And, and you know, we laugh at them now. But I'm just telling you, what's happened through the years is we've become totally desensitized. We're now whatever it may really be when it does arrive. We may very well laugh that off too. Are you hearing me? We're just not really thinking in those terms anymore. We're not really considering those things. And that's where we started tonight when the apostles said knowing the time or more literally considering the time. I believe that's what needs to happen. Somehow the church has got to shake itself. We've got to start considering again where we stand. Considering again what's going on. Considering again how close we are the sounding of the trumpet. Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord. Mm-hmm.